0: Welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. I really appreciate you listening and would like you to know about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to Dakota Spotlight that provides bonus content, early access, and ad free listening, all while supporting my work and the show you love. You can subscribe right in the Apple Podcast app or visit Dakotaspotlight.com. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Wallner. This is Season Six Vanishing Act the untold story of Kristen Deedee and Bob Anderson. A quick note, this episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself. And if you're listening with children, consider whether it's appropriate for them as well. I'm co-producing this season with Jeremy Fugelberg.
1: Here he is. Hi, I'm Jeremy Fugelberg. Welcome to Episode 2, Last Day's. Bloomington, Minnesota, August nineteen
2: ninety three. She's like, Well, you know, we're trying to go up to well, she said, I'm trying to go up to North Dakota to get my stuff and I think I'll be gone for the weekend. You should just stay at the apartment. I'm like, Oh yeah, that would be fun. If I could like say to her right now, if I could go back, I would tell her, whatever it is you have up there isn't worth it. I would tell Bob, don't take her up there. No, it's not worth it.
1: That's Kristen Deedy's neighbor friend in Bloomington at the time, Tiffany. A lot was ending for Kristen in August 1993, but it was also a fresh beginning. For starters, she was a new single parent. Her husband, Clyde Deedy, had moved out the previous year. Then in May, according to court records we obtained, he was found guilty of domestic violence against Kristen. Fifth degree assault. Part of his probation conditions was a two-year-long order barring him from contacting Kristen. He could still see their kids. We'll circle back to this incident later, and you'll hear directly from Clyde. But that August, in 1993, Kristen seemed to be moving on. She'd made new friends. Two strong, independent women. Tiffany, who you've already met, and Heather, who also lived in her apartment building. They both took to her right away. Here's Heather.
3: We had kids that played together. She lived downstairs and across the hall. I lived in the main floor on the other side of the hall and, um, we became friends. We would see each other every day. Um, sometimes, um, I was uh, working as like a home health aide, and, um, sometimes she would watch my kids. Sometimes I would watch her kids. Um,
2: we just became close.
1: And Tiffany.
2: And she was scared. She was a little girl. She was tiny. And, um, yeah, she, she, if she could fight back, there wouldn't be much of a fight because she was just an itty bitty thing.
1: Kristen and her newly estranged husband, Clyde, had gotten married in North Dakota in 1983. In the rural area they grew up, outside the tiny town of Wishick, they were practically neighbors. Their family's farms were just a few miles away from each other. Now, 10 years later, they had two kids together, Mitchell, age 9, and Deanna, age 6. The family had moved to Minnesota, where Clyde was attending chiropractic school. But now, Kristen was on her own. Fortunately, she had her neighbor friends, and they were there to help coax her out of her shell. Here's Heather again.
3: I don't know how we actually started going to this one bar but like twice a week my one girlfriend or tiffany you know tiffany she would sometimes she would watch her kids and um, we would go to i don't I, I can't remember exactly even what the name of the bar was but it was like i think maplewood it was a ways away and either she would drive or i would drive and um we just dance and she was like uh she would dance so like never danced before you know <laughs> And she was a lady, so she didn't really drink an excessive amount of anything really, but
1: with the new stomping grounds came a new relationship for Kristen. There was now a new man in her life. Bob. Bob Anderson. She had met him at the bar. Her friends remember the two immediately clicked. Heather again.
3: I guess the the weirdest she was very, um this is a weird word to use, but sedate quiet and reserved, very in tune with her children, and um, very happy to just be her and her kids until Bob, and then it was uh, almost like a different Kristen. (laughs) She was happy and never thought that she could feel free with a man, and loved and respected, and he loved her kids, and they they were amazing together. He was also very passive, too, actually. He was quiet and reserved and calm, and they were very much alike.
1: Both Tiffany and Heather approved of Bob. Kristen obviously really liked him, too. So much so that Heather remembers Kristen found it hard to believe a good guy like Bob could even exist.
3: And Bob was close with his family, too. But I thought that, I said, see, he's close with his family, he's a good guy, <laughs> you know? At first, she was like, "Really, is this real?" But he was really close to this family, and she was so freaked out that it was not going to work. But, uh, that that there was something like the shoe was the other shoe was going to fall or whatever, probably because of her past. You know, she never thought that she would find that. Yeah, they're like perfect for each other. I mean, perfect like like peanut butter and jelly.
1: So, when Kristen announced she was planning to travel back to North Dakota by herself on an upcoming August weekend, Bob stepped in. He was going too. We played a bit of what Tiffany told us at the top of the episode. Here's the whole segment.
2: So, I was pregnant. (laughs) Heather kept making this chicken that smelled terribly to me because I get sick. And I was complaining to Kristen about it. She's like well, you know, we're trying to go up to, well, she said, I'm trying to go up to North Dakota to get my stuff, and I think I'll be gone for the weekend. You should just stay at the apartment. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be fun. That was a couple days before, and I was like, yeah, so I'd go stay down in the apartment. Well, Robert got a hold of this, and she, he's like, you're not going up there by yourself, and I'm going to go with you. So um, after that, she came up and she was like, "Okay, he's going to go with Now me and Heather felt a lot better about that because we had, we knew about um her problems with her her ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband, and um so we were concerned um she when he she told us that um Bob was going with her, we were really just felt a lot more at ease. I felt good about it. And I was really happy to hear, like, he just didn't want her to go and do this by herself. And he was going with to protect her.
0: not see we could not but she did and in the end what will I become Sen saga Hellblade 2 play it now with game
3: pass fall is here and class is back in session it's a busy time for students and faculty and with a new school year comes new adventures, New experiences and new goals to achieve. But as much promise and excitement as the fall semester brings, there can also be a dark side to it, one in which the unthinkable can happen. I'm Amy Slashberg. And I'm Megan Sachs. And we're the host of the podcast, Campus Killings. As educators and criminologists, we teach, research, write, and podcast about victims, offenders, and the issues that surround our criminal justice system. Amy and I have both worked in the field of criminal justice for 20 years, myself in law enforcement and Amy in the mental health field. In Campus Killings, we'll dive into some of the most shocking and tragic murders to happen on school grounds, and we'll provide our analysis on the cases we cover as both educators and trained criminologists. We'll discuss what went wrong and what could have been done differently to prevent the tragic outcome. Campus Killings is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of Campus Killings.
1: For decades, the conventional wisdom on this case has been this. Kristen drove up to North Dakota that weekend with her kids. They were going to spend time with their dad's family at a wedding in Wapiton, North Dakota. That's what the North Dakota Attorney General's office posted on its cold case site listing about Kristen and Bob. That's what Clyde told us, Kristen's then-husband. So did her sister, Sandra. And so did the lone television news report on the case from WCCO, broadcast two years after they vanished but several key eyewitnesses of Kristen and Bob's movements that weekend disagree. They say Kristen wasn't taking her kids to North Dakota. She was, instead, performing something of a secret mission. While her in-laws, her husband, and much of the Dee, Dee clan would be over 150 miles away for the wedding, the Dee, Dee farmstead outside of Wishek would be unmanned. Kristen and Bob could swoop in under the radar, enter the quiet property, retrieve her belongings from the farm, and be gone in a flash. As it happens, many members of Kristen's own family, the Gables, were also headed out of town that weekend on a trip to Idaho. For reasons we'll get into in the next episode, she had also distanced herself from them. It seems she thought this same trip would be a chance to get some things from her own family farm too. Based on this version of what happened, Kristen Deedee wasn't delivering her kids. She was reclaiming her life. Here's Tiffany, who was staying at Kristen's apartment while she was gone, recollecting what was really going down that weekend.
2: So I went down on Thursday night, I believe, and she said, well, uh, Mitchell and Deanna's Father's going to come pick him up because they have a family reunion.
1: I spoke to Clyde Deedee about this question. Just last week, I called him at his chiropractic office in Winter, South Dakota. Clyde answered some questions but didn't want to speak much about the whole subject of Kristen's disappearance. It was not a comfortable call. He eventually cut the interview short, saying he didn't want me to ask him any more questions then or later. Although, to be honest, We have more questions, and we'll likely call him again to see if he'll talk to us. And Clyde, if you're listening, I hope you'll consider speaking to us again. So here's Clyde on Kristen, their kids, her stuff, and that no-contact order in place at the time. We'll play the whole back-and-forth from my interview with him. Sorry about the static on the phone line. So when Kristen came up that weekend, uh, you said she was bringing... Kids to you. We were talking to somebody else, and they had mentioned that it was actually your sister who picked them up. Does that ring a bell at all, or is that not how you remember it?
0: Her sister that brought them to me. You say
1: your your sister is what our, what we heard.
4: No, no, she she dumped them in my care. That's
1: okay, what she did. There's also some people we talked to said she was going up there to get, to get some stuff or to take some stuff away. Is is that ring a bell at all?
4: It has nothing to do with me. What does that mean? It, my only business with her was her leaving the kids. That was it.
1: Okay. How did that work? Because you, from my understanding, is there was a non no-contact order in place at the time. How did that work with the, the kid's handoff?
3: I don't know about a no-contact order.
1: So that's my understanding is one of the probation conditions uh, for you after that uh, domestic assault charge was a two-year no-contact order.
4: Well, apparently it wasn't stipulated. There wasn't. I had no interest in in contacting her in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. So when she turned up and left the kids, I I had an opportunity to be with the kids for a while, and that was all
1: I was interested in. There will be more from our interview with Clyde in future episodes. So, while Clyde says Kristen dumped the kids with him, several other key eyewitnesses we talked to don't agree with him on how the kids got to him in North Dakota. As you'll hear later, Kristen and Bob stopped at the home of Bob's brother Dean on their way to North Dakota, and no, Dean agrees with Tiffany, the kids were not along with Kristen and Bob. So, why the confusion about the kids? And why is it even a big deal? We think it's a central question, actually. It explains why Kristen was bound and determined to go to North Dakota, and it's crucial to understand her mindset that weekend. And, as you'll see, the kids are central to the trip going bad. But before we move on, I want to talk really quick about how we as journalists sort through this kind of thing, when you have conflicting stories about what happened. Now, generally the best people to describe what actually happened are the ones closest to what happened, the eyewitnesses. But only a handful of people directly dealt with Kristen and Bob that weekend, and none of them were tracking their every move. Remember, this is 1993. There was no social media, where people often leave a trail of digital crumbs marking where they go and what they do. There's no cell phones in every pocket, with people texting, where are you? Are you there yet? So we're left to piece together what we can, based on evidence and the few people who were directly involved with Kristen and Bob that weekend and are willing and able to talk to us. And important to remember, this is a live investigation. There are still stones unturned here. If we get new definitive information, we'll be sure to share it with you in a future episode to correct and update the record. In this case, about the kids, we lean toward believing those who actually interacted with Kristen and Bob that weekend, specifically Tiffany and Bob's brother, Dean. It's possible Kristen told different stories to different people, or maybe her plans changed. It might be just that simple, or not. But no matter what happened, one thing is crystal clear. Whether Kristen drove her two kids to North Dakota or not, they became a central part of what comes next. So, back to that weekend in August 1993. It's Friday, the 13th of August. Kristen Deedy and Bob Anderson set out on the last journey of their lives. Remember how Clyde was supposedly going to stop by and pick up Mitchell and Deanna from Tiffany to take the kids to a family get-together that wedding in Wapitan, North Dakota? Here's the thing. According to Tiffany, who was at Kristen's apartment with the two children, Clyde never showed.
2: Well, it came time, and I remember he, he didn't show up. I think it was a sister of his showed up, which I thought was odd. He didn't show up. He was supposed to show up because that's who picked him up every other time. So, um, But I, a family member. I'm not sure if it was his sister, but I seem to remember she saying she was his sister. And Because um, I wouldn't just pass off the kids to just anyone. So I'm pretty sure I made sure who she was. And, um, and there was no cell phones back then either, so... You know, it wasn't like pick up the phone and call somebody, you know, to verify. But I felt pretty good about handing them to the sister. Um, So they took their stuff was waiting and they took it and went on with them.
1: By then, Kristen and Bob were already gone on the road. Later that day, Friday, they made a pit stop at the house of Bob's older brother, Dean Anderson, and his wife, Julie. They lived in White Bear Lake, just northeast of the Twin Cities. Here's Dean describing that visit to my colleague, James Wallner. The other voice you'll hear is Diane, Bob's sister.
0: I knew he was going to Wishing. I was at work, and he stopped over at our house, and my wife, Julie, um, made some popcorn. He had a couple beers, and he was very relaxed. And uh, he told uh, my wife, he says, well, you know, I'd like to stay here and forget about it. And Christian right away said, no, we have to go. And that was the last person to see him in uh, our family. Or, or really. So Kristen Dede was with him? Yes. They both came to your place? Yes.
5: As were the kids, right?
0: No.
1: So Kristen and Bob headed out. Based on her interview with her sister, Sandra, who you'll hear from later, it seems as if they made it to North Dakota that night and stayed at the home of Kristen and Sandra's brother, Larry. So far, so good. They'd made it to North Dakota... Kristen expected that Clyde had picked up the kids for the wedding. Her family was headed out of town the next morning. So she and Bob were clear to grab her things and get out without anyone being the wiser. So far, everything was going according to plan for Kristen and Bob, as far as they knew anyway.
0: Hello, dear listener. This is James, host of Dakota Spotlight, inviting you to subscribe to Spotlight Plus. For as little as $5 per month, you will get the warm feeling of supporting the show and also unlock access to bonus episodes, get the episodes early, and listen ad-free. That's right, no more ads. Apple users can subscribe to Spotlight Plus Standard right in the Apple Podcasts app. If you want to dive deeper and get even more exclusive benefits, subscribe to Spotlight Plus Premium or Spotlight Plus Ultimate. Go to dakotaspotlight.com for
1: more details. Scams and Cons tells you how scams are run and why people fall for them.
3: And I've lost everything. It's all I had. Uh, It's any inheritance that I could have passed on my daughter.
5: Many of the people you meet today were financially devastated when they started using Jeff's system. And now they're making more money than they ever dreamed of.
1: Scams are illusions intended to make you believe that giving up your money is the most sensible thing you can do. Find out how it's done by listening to Scams and Cons wherever you get podcasts. Saturday, August 14th, 1993. Kristen Deedee and Bob Anderson are in the area of Wishek, North Dakota, in Bob's van, a white 1979 Dodge B200. We don't know exactly what Kristen wanted to retrieve from Wishek, which is a little frustrating, but we can take some educated guesses based on what everyone has told us. It seems she was planning to get things from both the Deedee and the Gable place, her family's farm. Now, we usually sort through what everyone said in our interviews with them and pick those sound clips that are clearest and most accurate. That's kind of our job. But in this case, to give you a taste of what it's like to navigate the uncertainty of this kind of thing, we're going to a shotgun approach. Here's nearly every version of what people think Kristen was getting from North Dakota that weekend. Here's Diane, Bob's sister.
3: Uh, They went to get some belongings of Kristen's at her parents' place because she was uh, going to finalize the divorce and she wanted her belongings out of the house
1: and here's Susan nice at the time she was executive director of cornerstone advocacy services which helps battered women and had helped kristen
5: she went to they they went to her family home to retrieve some belongings uh there was something there that belonged to Kristen that she wanted back and there was a confrontation at that time with the father and I think one of the brothers and um, I do not know if she actually got her belongings or if the confrontation just you know escalated and she and Bob left I think that she felt because she was with Bob that it was safe for her to go to her family home and, and it, I don't think it was anything big it might have been some childhood mementos or you know I really
1: and Chase Anderson Bob's son who you might remember from episode 1 um I also know that in the
2: process of them going to Wishick, uh Kirsten wanted to retrieve a uh, jewelry box that she had a lot of pictures in um that incriminating pictures of some things that were going on in the family
1: then here's travis kristen's nephew about what he heard had gone missing from the gable place
0: a bunch of pictures were gone and some other stuff i can't remember what it was on uh, like value of stuff but a bunch of pictures all the pictures were gone i guess that's what my aunt told me
1: and finally here's sandra kristen's sister She's talking with James Walner about what was missing from the house after that weekend. In this conversation, Sandra refers to Kristen as Valerie, the name she was given after birth. In our next episode, we'll explain the issue of the different names. Here's James with Sandra. We'll run this clip long. It's an interesting back and forth.
0: Um, question, do you know anything about that weekend about Valerie stealing or being accused of stealing something either out of your dad's farm or the Dee Dee farm, like a jewelry box or something? Jewelry box. Or some belongings, like she came back, she was going to get some of her stuff. It gets confusing if people are talking about getting stuff back from Clyde's parents or from, from your parents and that there was some kind of confrontation. Have you ever heard of any of that?
3: She already never had no more belongings at our house. She was gone a long, long, long time before this was all took place. Things that were left there, is, and they weren't even hers that she took. That I'm not saying she took, but someone took. All her baby pictures, or her school pictures, they were all gone. All her school pictures are gone that were out on the farm. It's kind of funny because all of our pictures, like my brother's and mine, still there.
1: In case you didn't catch all that, Sandra said that all of Kristen's childhood photos went missing from their farm, but she doesn't know who took them for sure. Interestingly, photos of the rest of the Gable family are still intact. But when it comes to figuring out what actually happened, we're leaning toward the version from the source closest to Kristen, who discussed it with her directly, her friend and neighbor, Tiffany.
2: I thought she like, said like her memory sakes, like stuff when Mitchell and Deanna were young, little um, and just stuff that obviously was precious to her. So I'm assuming it was baby stuff from the kids and maybe some of uh, things um, that she had from her own home. She didn't come from a great home from what I understood. So everything she had was always just with her, um, her important things. And she didn't have those things. And that's why it was so urgent for her to those. She was ending that whole relationship with their ex-husband. She just wanted to make sure when the chapter was closed that it was completely locked up.
1: Okay, back to that Saturday with Kristen and Bob in Wishick. My colleague James talked to Sandra, Kristen's sister, who confirmed she saw and spoke with her sister that Saturday morning at their brother Larry's place. You left
0: for Idaho the same weekend she went missing?
3: The day before she went missing. I stopped there to say uh, something to my brother to take care of the house and oh. take care of the farm. And she was there, and I said a few words to her, and then I jumped back in the car and I packed up the other car when I got home, and we left for Uh
0: Which brother was that again? Was that Larry or Kevin? Larry. Larry.
3: Larry. So she was alive when we left.
1: If you missed that, Sandra said. So she was alive when we left. So that was Saturday morning. From there, we just don't have a lot of information about what exactly Kristen and Bob did next, either on Saturday or early Sunday. But we do know that at some point in those two days, they went to the Dee Dee farm. That's where they ran into someone they did not expect. Kristen's then husband, the one with a no contact order to keep him away from Kristen, Clyde. No, he wasn't in Bloomington, Minnesota, He wasn't at the wedding in Wapitan. He was, of all places, right there. In a flash, their big plan to get Kristen's things while everyone was gone without dealing with anyone over it, that plan evaporated. Now, instead, they were dealing with Clyde. Now, again, a quick chat about what we know and what we don't know. When did Kristen and Bob run into Clyde? We don't know for sure. Maybe it was Saturday, after she saw and talked to Sandra. It could have also been Sunday morning. He could have been there when they arrived. He could have shown up after they got there. We don't know for sure. Was Clyde alone? Again, we don't know. Presumably, Kristen and Clyde's kids attended the wedding in Wapiton, which was on Saturday, would they have then traveled the hundred fifty some miles to Wishick in company of Clyde's family members on Saturday night, or maybe that's what happened on Sunday? That's right. We just don't know. Now stick with me. In a second, we'll get back to the confirmed timeline of events on Sunday. However, remember how we told you this is a live, ongoing investigation. Well, after we released episode one last week, we were contacted by a Wishick native who knew Kristen Deedy and can place her in Stan's Super Value Grocery Store in Wishick that Sunday. In fact. They spoke with her. Now, we've learned that the Supervalue was open between 10 and 3 p.m. on Sundays, and our source is certain this sighting was in the summer of 1993 on a Sunday. We're not aware that Kristen was in Wishek any other weekend that year, so it's quite possible the sighting and interaction may have taken place just hours before Kristen and Bob vanished. It's little details like that that can really add up to a more complete picture. Maybe not by themselves, but as a puzzle piece with all the other bits of evidence James and I have collected in our investigation. So folks, if you have any knowledge about Kristen and Bob's movements that weekend, please get in touch. Our contact information is at the end of this episode. But back to what we know for sure. On Sunday, Kristen sought help from law enforcement. And later that day, she had a confrontation with Clyde. Sunday, August 15th, 1993. The day they disappeared. Wes Meidinger was a trooper in the North Dakota Highway Patrol. He was based out of the Wishock Police Office. And he was on duty that Sunday when a couple showed up asking for help. My colleague James, who loyal listeners know is a dogged reporter with Dakota Spotlight, recently interviewed Meidinger for the second time in seven years. Meidinger knew Kristen when she was younger, back when, if you recall, her name was Valerie. So, when he calls her Valerie in this clip, remember, Valerie is Kristen. Here's Meidinger.
4: It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was working in the office at the uh, police department in Wishick, and these two people came in. The one I knew, Valerie Deedy, was a male, fairly tall. Find out later, his last name was Anderson. I don't recall his first name. They were curious about... Whether a uh, child custody order that was issued in North Dakota was good in Minnesota and uh, being as I didn't deal with that kind of stuff, I wrote down the, actually wrote down the uh, name of Jerry Kuhn, who was the case attorney in Logan County because this supposedly was where the action had taken place gave them that information and uh, they left and I never saw them again. I don't know if they contacted the state's attorney in Logan County or not and come to find out later that these folks had disappeared.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much. A question. Is it possible that the The documents they were asking about was the other way around, that they were asking if a child, some kind of order in Minnesota was valid in North Dakota. Could it have been that direction?
4: I guess that's a possibility. Uh, uh, It's been a while. (laughs) I don't recall exactly what uh, order that came
0: in. Do you happen to remember what had taken place that had brought them there? Like, any more specifics?
4: Well, there was... uh, Valerie had divorced her husband, whose uh, last name was Deedee. That first name escapes me now. But uh, I believe it had been finalized, and the custody um, battle, or whatever you want to call it, was still ongoing.
1: So this is curious, because Kristen and Clyde were not yet divorced. They had no child custody order at the time. So what is Mitinger referring to here, or remembering, or misremembering? There was a no-contact order in effect for Clyde when it came to Kristen, implemented as a probation condition for his domestic violence conviction in Minnesota. Again, we have court records proving that was in place, regardless of Clyde's memory of it or not. It would be reasonable if she'd run into Clyde that she'd want to find out if that no-contact order from Minnesota had power in North Dakota too, an order that should have the power to keep her husband away from her. Also, important to note, Meidinger referred them to the state's attorney in Logan County, where the Dee Dee place was located. Susan Nice at the Cornerstone Shelter remembers it that way, possibly passed on to her from Kristen's friends or the Cornerstone staffer who helped Kristen.
5: And so what Kristen did is she called a girlfriend, let her know what was going on, and went to the sheriff's office and asked if her order for protection was valid in North Dakota. She was told, yes, there was reciprocity, so it it, it was good. And essentially, that is the last time that we or her friends ever heard from Kristen.
1: It seems most likely that Kristen was asking Trooper Meidinger about the no-contact order and also mentioned her children, who very well might have been with Clyde back at the farm right then. Here's Meidinger again.
4: I really don't know what her intentions were, other than it dealt with the children. And that's something that uh, we in the Highway Patrol did not deal with.
1: Another thing Trooper Meitinger remembered, where Kristen and Bob were headed next.
0: Your understanding was they were headed to the DD farm outside of Wishick.
4: I believe that was correct, yeah.
1: By this point on Sunday, Tiffany, Kristen's friend back in Bloomington, Minnesota, Hadn't heard anything from her all weekend.
2: I didn't hear anything from her Saturday, so I thought that was kind of strange. She was supposed to have done everything that day.
1: But Sunday night, Tiffany's phone rang. It was Kristen, and there was trouble. We're going to play this whole conversation as Tiffany remembers it. Pay close attention. Tiffany is the last person we know of to hear from Kristen before she and Bob disappeared.
2: I pick up the phone, and it was her, Kristen, and she's like, hi, Tiff. Uh, I'm like, hi, how are you doing? Did you get your stuff? She's like, no, I'm here now, um, and I can hear the kids in the background, and I can hear other people. Um, I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, he's here. He showed up with the kids, and I'm like, showed up with the kids, and she goes, yeah, um, but um, we're going to go get the stuff, and we're going to leave. And I'm like, well, where's Bob? And he was like, he's out in the car. And then it sounded like he must've walked in. Cause so I heard Bob walked, Bob walked in. Cause I'm sure he heard the yelling and screaming of the kids and wanted to make sure everything was okay and came in the house. And it just went awry. I mean, I could just hear a lot of screaming and I, it, to me, it sounded like the husband was yelling at her. The, his mom was yelling at her. I think like, get off the phone. You need to deal with this or something. I'm like, are you sure everything's okay? She's like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we're gonna get the stuff out of the out of the barn or whatever. We'll pack it up and we're gonna be leaving. We'll be home either tonight late or early morning type, you know, in the morning or on Monday. And I was like, okay, you sure are you okay? Yep. And she hung up. <clears throat> yeah, but I heard all three. Well, I heard all all three of the adults' voice and her, because I was talking to her, but I heard the three other adults' voices, and then I could hear the kids crying. And Mitchell always wanted to take care of Deanna. So I, there was some that's triggering in the back of my mind, saying that I heard Mitchell saying, come on, Deanna, or, you know, stop crying, Deanna, because I recognized right away that the kids were there, both of them, because I know I heard them.
1: The conversation felt ominous to Tiffany, as Kristen sketched out her plans with crying and screaming in the background.
2: Can't talk to you about it right now. He's taking me to get the stuff. Then we're going to pack it up, and we're leaving. We're, we'll be leaving tonight. We'll either be home really late tonight, early morning, or we'll be home tomorrow. But we're leaving ASAP. So and she hung up. Feel I didn't feel very good about that conversation.
1: That was the last time Tiffany talked to her friend, Kristen. We played a bit of this next clip at the top of the show, but we're going to play it out longer this time. Here's Tiffany's closing thoughts on Kristen's disappearance.
2: If I could, like, say to her right now, if I could go back, I would tell her, whatever it is you have up there isn't worth it. I would tell Bob, don't take her up there. No, it's not worth it. The one thing she wanted in this life was to raise her children and what she did for her mementos took her away from her children. I do want to say one more thing and that is that this world would have been a better place with her in it and this world shines just a little bit less That she's gone.
1: Look, we know this episode was jam packed with a lot of information. It's a lot to take in. And like us, I'm sure you have a lot of questions after hearing what you've just heard. I promise you, James and I are going to address some of those key questions and more in future episodes. Up next, episode three, Kristen Is Not Her Name. Who was Kristen Deedee? Why was she trying to escape her hometown, Wishick? What happened with her relationship to her husband, Clyde? And who was Bob Anderson?
0: Hello. Hi. From the Deedee Farm to the gobel farm. It was like, is this a Gable residence. I,
2: I think I remember her <laughs> saying that she stayed
0: home a lot from
2: school. Why she was like, always like looking over her shoulder and fidgety.
5: She was appalled as were other people in the courtroom.
2: He hurt her and, you know, it just was a very scary situation and she's trying to get out of it. <laughs>
1: Dakota Spotlight is a production of Forum Communications. Remember, the investigation into what happened to Kristen and Bob remains an open case. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Please consider subscribing to the podcast on Spotify or Apple or
0: anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like this show and want others to discover it, please consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And why not join the Dakota Spotlight Facebook group? Just search Dakota Spotlight on Facebook.